So for me, the big driver I think when I analyze what I do is around the fact that I just want to help these kids understand that first and foremost they are kids and secondly a little bit about rugby mm-hmm. and if we can use rugby or sport to facilitate that then I think we've done a pretty good job. listening to the NZPE TeacherCast, a podcast sharing some of the inspirational stories from amazing teachers and educators within New Zealand and around the world. Today's episode is sponsored by My Study Series, an online learning platform supporting Kiwi teachers and students through NCEA. With automated self-grading quizzes after every video, My Study Series ensures students receive immediate feedback on their level of understanding. Check it out now at mystudyseries.co.nz. Kia ora everyone and welcome to episode 27 of the NZPE TeacherCast. Now keeping with this theme of speaking with educators who are not necessarily PE teachers or not necessarily in secondary school, they could be primary or tertiary, uh, we've got a, a really interesting guest this week who is actually involved or has been involved uh, with a lot of coaching at, at my school, Rangatai College, and he also has some big community involvement around rugby as well. Um, and his name's Dave Mikulam, and he is doing, has been doing some, some fa- fantastic things around the eastern suburbs, around that rugby and that community-based learning. Um, so I'm really keen to, to pick his brain and hear some of his story and his background and, and his beliefs and core values around coaching. So Dave, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much, Carl, and thanks for me very much for the opportunity. Now, before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about your coaching background and experience and a few tidbits about the current school or our school that you work with and the students that you educate? Yeah, um, I've coached for 32 years on the trot. And, 32. Uh, 32. Yeah, I know. Crazy, <laughs> eh? <laughs> I'm barely over 32. It's about, it's about as long as I've been married, so maybe that's, that says something. Um, but I coached all levels of rugby, from a senior representative uh, to uh, school. But um, I really sort of had a hankering for coaching schoolboys and and the way that we can influence them. And so hence, uh, being an old boy at Rongatai College, I'm, I'm coaching back at the old school. I did a stint back there uh, with them in the early 2000s, 2002, three and four. Uh, we won the title in 2003 um, and then went away, uh, coached Premier Rugby again, but just sort of really had this um, Feeling about, I wanted to really get back into schoolwork coaching. Opportunity came up at our lo- one of our other local schools, Scots College. Coached there for six years, and then um, the opportunity came up at, at Rongatai. And of course, I wanted to grab that with both hands and uh, just see where we where it would lead us. What is it about coaching schoolboys that is appealing to you, um, as opposed to you know going with the, the prem stuff? I think you can have a lot of influence not only on the way they think about the game and play the game right from a young age um, but it's also about the fact that uh, that is kids and I love kids I mean they're just like they're just they're pretty they're pretty raw and they're pretty honest um, and yeah I just I just love getting amongst them and, and having a laugh and it keeps you young and I think you see that at, at, at Rongatai 
the, that raw and honest that you used to describe that that if I was to describe a Rangatai boy that would be a really good description yeah. they are raw they have a lot of raw talent an immense amount of raw talent um, and and they are pretty honest when they when they want to be so yeah, I mean you know that you know Carl that our, I mean our our motto is Lumineka Pay and Puri which is you know receive a light and pass it on um, and I just you know a Rangatai boy wants to do that all the time mm. and so hence the reason I'm involved um, and you know you just want to help these kids just find out a little bit more about themselves and a little bit more about life and you know, that's what sort of drives me to do what I do and I think that's one of the um, one of the the best things about sport is it's not just about the sport in itself it's about that life experience and building young men not just athletes in your specific code the sport facilitates it, yeah. the opportunity, which is really cool. Um, and it's a sport that I love, obviously, and it's New Zealand's number one sport. Um, and we're the world champions two times in a row. So um, it it just drives me to, to to help them understand that about life as well. That So for me, the big driver, I think, when I analyse what I do, is around the fact that I just want to help these kids understand that First and foremost, they are kids, and secondly, a little bit about rugby. Mm. And if we can use rugby or sport to facilitate that, then I think we've done a pretty good job. Give us a quick summary of the season, this season, uh, and and maybe the best takeaway for you and your coaching staff from the season. Yeah, the look, the season was a, was disappointing, um, given that we uh, made the top four last year. That was our big aim. Um, however. When I look when I look back at the season, um, I think we did okay. It wasn't it was a pass, finishing fifth. I think we could have done better, and the boys know they could have done better. And I think probably the biggest takeaway from a coaching point of view is never assume that they know. Um, and when, what I mean by that is is you've got to actually strip everything back to the bone and rebuild it every year, irrespective of whether that that student athlete's been in your program before, you've got to take everything back to the bone and rebuild it. So kids that have been in the program for three years, you just keep rebuilding right from the bone. And then when they get to that third year, it's just sort of ingrained in them. Um, and I think we probably missed that opportunity this year. We probably didn't rebuild it. We actually skipped to a, um, a little bit of the foundation. So for me um, and our coaching staff was never assume that the kids know and make sure that you cover off all the detail mm. around because rugby is quite a complicated game yep. there's lots of components to it you know so and it's really important to, to cover off every component as best you can so you felt that maybe you had a, this fantastic season last year and that maybe there were some assumptions made from the crossover between the seasons crossover between the boys coming back okay. so we knew that we had you know seven or eight guys coming back and they knew what we wanted to do because they were part of that and then all of a sudden when it, when the heat came on they just revert to type yep. and go back and and then for us that was like well hang on a minute <laughs> you know we've got to go back and coach the detail so um, and we started doing once we did once we covered we did actually we we, we went back and covered it off and it, hey that only takes three or four weeks mm. but in a season that's only nine weeks long you know that's a major part of the season um, but once we did, we got better towards the end. And in saying that, do you think 
so we've just had some uh, some recent success within rugby and, and they've qualified for the for the Condor 7s. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a bit of flow on from maybe getting it right towards the end of the season and, and seeing some of those boys progress through and do really well in the 7s? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, like I said, you know, rugby is quite a complicated game. There's lots of components to it. It's not like, uh, it's not like golf where it's just you and the club and the ball. Um, you know, rugby is... is I wish up. it was as easy yeah, as being the club and the ball. <laughs> I don't, know how, I don't know how rubbish you are, but, but I'm probably worse than you are. Uh, <laughs> um, so we just try and keep that. Yeah, you know, we just it's all around the detail, mate. If you know, if you concentrate on the detail, um, you know the way they tackle, the way they carry the ball, you know all those little things. Yeah. If we concentrate on that, then it grows and it just snowballs. And and as you say, you know, with the sevens team going to the nationals, uh, which sort of came out of nowhere, really, but it's not, it's not, uns- it's not surprising. Mm. Um, knowing the knowing the fact that we did put a lot of work into them and they put a lot of work in themselves, yeah. so um, yeah. So thirty two years that's that's a hell of a long time coaching. Why do you think extracurricular activities and and that's not just sport; it could be cultural groups, for example. Why do you think they're so important for student development? Um, I just think that they, you know, at the end of the day, the kids have to explore their own world before we start teaching them about ours. And I think that's really important is that they are able to explore all those things that kids do. And it's not just one focus on, you know, you're a rugby player, that's it. And and we are a school that actually um, encourages that extracurricular activity. And, you know, from my point of view, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Just spilling the beer. This as well as I carpet, mate. No, I, I don't want to get it on your nice table. <laughs> no, I wouldn't worry about it, mate. It all soaks up. From a from a sporting and team based perspective, what does leadership mean to you from a from a personal viewpoint? So, you know, recounting all of your experiences in sport and, and coaching, and you would have seen a lot of really fantastic leaders, and you would have been instrumental in um, instilling a lot of these values and and, and leadership uh, attributes within some of your athletes. So, so what does leadership mean to you? Uh, in a word, or in two word, two words, it's uh, for me. It's decision making, the ability to make decisions uh, under pressure, um, and and just make general general decisions. Um, now, whether they're right or wrong, you don't know whether it's right or wrong until you know the outcome. However, it's about taking that information, the the things that you have available to you, the information you have available to you, the what's in front of you, that sort of thing. And I think it's all about building respect, uh, leadership. So, you know, good leaders are well respected and the reason they're respected is because they're prepared to make the decisions. Some of them are hard calls and those are the ones that people respect because you just want someone to make a decision and then we can all follow that. And, you know, I guess um, that's probably my my strong suit um, in terms of being a leader is that I am able to make a decision and people just will go, yeah, okay, it's really cool. And so with the young kids, it's about just letting them make decisions and and sort of saying to them that it's okay to get, because um, you, when you're young, a lot of people think, a lot of them think that being popular is being a leader. Mm-hmm. Where actually it's not, you actually want to be a little bit unpopular and make the hard calls. And I think this year was a really good case. Um, so in 31 years, I'd always selected the captain. 
you know, I'd always gone, okay, well, he's, you know, I've seen him and I've seen him and, you know, I think he'll make a really good captain. Um, but in 2016, we actually changed the process and we decided that we would actually call for applications uh, from our students to apply if they wanted to be the captain of the first 15. And we had four applicants. Um, we had one pull out on the, on the eve of the um, interview, but we had three go through and they were three very, very different um, ideas of leadership. And it was really interesting. You know, there was the popularist guy that thought he was the most popular and, and so therefore he was definitely a leader. Uh, we had a guy that was in a position of leadership within the school, so therefore he, he must be a leader. And then we had a guy that actually, who eventually was the first team captain, who actually came out of nowhere and absolutely blew us all away. And we had no hesitation. We were all you know, on the, it was three of us on the uh, interview panel, including a, a, a leadership coach who was really good because he was able to, to drill down and ask the really, the really good questions. And uh, the, uh, the boy that was originally, you know, became the first team captain, just blew us all away. And I think uh, we've actually seen him grow immensely. It, it took a while, but you know, he's now the captain of the sevens team and, and of course, you know, and but we work really closely with him and, and just trying to get some sort of leadership style. And it is all about making decisions, mm. whether it's whether it's right or wrong, it doesn't matter. We're not going to, you know, it's you only, as I say, you only know that whether it's right or wrong when you know the outcome. But as long as we can ask him what his what his thought process was, why did you come to this decision? And if he comes up with, well, this, this, and this, we go, sweet. But if he just shrugs his shoulders and walk away, then we know we've got a problem. That's mm. it's really interesting to hear that story because I, I, I teach the boy and it's it's been a really a, a real pleasure teaching him this year. And over the, over the last month, I've seen Chasing Grape a couple of times and, and learning a little bit about Richie McCaw and his story. And you can kind of... Our, our captain this year and, and Richie McCall, you can you can kind of see some similarities. Very quiet, unassuming, um, but I guess prepared to step up and make a decision. And and I think that's. Um, I, I wish I'd heard that story about eight months ago. <laughs> you know, uh, it would have been nice to have been able to pick his brain a little bit. I think throughout the season and and learn a little bit from him because I think everybody's got something to offer and hearing about some of his decisions that he was making and, and why and, and taking a bit from well, that. I think, Carl, that, that's actually a really good point is that, you know, and you asked me at the start what, what makes me coach. Um, and it is that. It is it is seeing these kids develop um, incrementally through the season and all of a sudden they, they become that man, you know, that you're sort of hoping that they will become. Um, and he's a perfect example, I think, of that um you know what you what we're trying to do. Um, you know, Samoan boy, very quiet, unassuming, uh, comes from a big family, and in actual fact, one of the things that we wanted them to do in their application was tell us one thing that we don't already know about them. And of course, he comes back with, well, "I'm a family of 15." You know, well, we never knew that. You know, after two years in the first team, and that, but that also is a big thing is getting to know your student athletes because it's all about connection. If you can't connect with them, then you have gonna, you're gonna have the worst job in the world. And it is about knowing, A, where they live, uh, a little bit about them that you can, you can prod them on or just speak to them about, 
um, knowing their academic ability, just and just just getting a whole lot of information about them. Actually, Graham Henry, uh, the former All Black coach, um, when he came back from Wales, I was speaking to him one day, and um, in my first stint at Rongatai College in 2003, he was asking me, um, you know, what do I do? But you know, I said, well, I coach the first thing. He said, how are they going? And I said, well, yeah, we're okay. I think we could be better. And he sort of said to me, well, what do you know about your players? I said, oh, yeah, I've got quite a bit. He said, well, do you know where they live? I said, well, sort of. He said, okay, do you know their mother and father's names? I said, well, no, not really. Do you know how many brothers and sisters they got? No. Do you know what they, Do you know what other sports they like? I went, no. He says, right, those are things you need to find out. So one of the things you need to do is you need to find out all their addresses and go and drive past their house. Then you can know, then you know where they live. And um, so all those little things. And then, so... One of the players lived up in a, um, a state housing area, a social housing area called Strathmore here in Wellington. And um, they had a red car on the front lawn, but it's massive front lawn. And I said to the, one of the boys one day, I said, hey, um, that'd be a great place to play rugby, because they all lived in the same area, suburb. I said, hey, that'd be a great place to play a bit of touch rugby, or a bit of rugby, you know, on that front lawn. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I got the car there. I go, well, I can get that moved, you know. So I run up the council. Council came around, moved the car, and we, I let them my lawn mower, and they mowed the lawns, and then um, the uh, the groundsman from school gave them some whitewash, and they whitewashed the lines on the field, and that was, uh, in an instant, rugby field, and they would play there until it was dark. And so, you know, that sort of thing that happens, that you want to be involved in, you want to know a little bit more about them, and I'd go up there and sit there with the, with the fathers or the mothers and have a chat, and so you become connected. And connection is the biggest thing. You, I mean, as a teacher, you know, if you don't connect with a student, you're just wasting your time. So it's all about connection. That's a good. That's a good lesson. And even you know, a lot of a lot of my audience are PE teachers, and and we know the power of having good relationships with your kids, and the power of um, going along and learning a little bit about your students. But I think we tend to approach that a little bit more relaxed than maybe there's a lesson to be learned there that maybe we could make a, a, a slightly better effort and actually, hey, you know, drive past their house and find out where they live, but mm-hmm. be more, i trying to think of the word, Make just make a better effort really and, and learn more and, and really don't just limit it to a phone call to introduce yourself to mm-hmm. the parents, but actually, you know, go visit and just go say hello and introduce sure. yourself. I think there's a lot of power in that and maybe even myself and thinking about my coaching experience, I haven't taken it that far. I've gone, you know, I've gone to, you know, I've said hello to the parents, but maybe I could have done more. Mm. I mean, an interesting thing last year was when I came into the school and, and did a, um, a presentation to the teachers and I had, uh, we had four or five new players to the school last year and I put photos of them up on the, on the, uh, on the uh, PowerPoint and asked them if they knew anything about these boys and they sort of, no. But I had taken the time and effort to find out a lot about those boys and they were quite shocked. And so all of a sudden, the reason for them being, they were, being the way they were became very clear and it was like, oh, okay, well, now that we know that, that's great. Mm. Yeah, we can deal with that. Mm. You know, so it is about it is about connect. Everything's about connection. Yeah. you've got to connect. Yeah, and as teachers, it gives us so much more power. Maybe power is not a not the right word, but it gives us so much more credibility in the classroom when you have built that relationship through making those connections. Yeah, I mean, family family plus athlete is very powerful. Mm. Getting the family involved. Mm. So we've we've touched on this 
briefly, but with all the demands and requirements of coaching a high school team, and it seems um, it's it's getting more and more demanding, how do you go about fostering leadership within the group that you coach through the years? Um, well, what we try to do is we've actually tried to break it down, and as I said, we you know we've, with our, our captain this year, we've worked, we've worked very very closely with him, um, and one of the things that we found really interesting was was the team dynamic. So you've got you've got twenty two guys in a squad, you've got fifteen taking the field. Um, how do we get how do we get those players to understand what leadership's about? Because what happens is as you name a captain, and you might name a vice captain or a co captain or whatever, two positions of leadership, and then all the rest of the boys go, Oh cool. That's that's sweet. I don't have a I don't have a position. That's cool. I can just, you know, sneak around, toe the line, whatever, you know. So what we did was we broke the team down into various parts. So we had um, so we had basically the, the squad, which was um, the 15 players. And then we had, uh, in there we had uh, mini teams. So you'd have, say, the front row, one to three. And then you'd have the locks, you have the loose forwards. So in, that, in, in, the, in the squad, we had six little mini teams. And then those mini teams, we broke down to what we call fire teams. So, and each team had a, each fire team had a leader. So if we had a leader of a fire team, the most number of people that he was in charge of was another two people. And so what that meant was that the captain, that was his leadership group, on-field leadership group. And what we tried to encourage him to do was if he was having a problem with with a particular part of the team, he could just go to that leader, that fire team leader, and say, hey, look, can you have a word to these guys here, blah, blah, blah. And then it would sort of be sorted. But it takes a long time. You know, once I said that, you know, once again, I said that it's all about confidence and and being, being a captain or being a leader is about confidence, about what you're saying. And so he grew into that and he was able to be direct. And I think one of the big things is um, it spread the leadership across the team, but it also enabled another six players to actually taste leadership and like I said it does take a long time but we get there in the end you know and, and you just got to persevere with that and, and yeah I think the thing is the way we did it I think we did it quite well absolutely that, so that's that's got that fire team approach as it's rooted in military right where you that's instead right. of passing the knowledge to everyone goes Correct. to a few individuals and they disseminate it through the yep. team you yep. think that was successful yep yep I do and uh, yeah, even to the point where we've got a board in the we've got a board in the changing room, and we name the team, and we we identify who the fire team leaders are and the squad leaders, you know, all that sort of stuff. So we've got that there, and so the boys know that okay, well, I'm playing lock, and there's only two locks, and he's the leader of me. That's great, and and I'll just do I'll just follow him, and that's all we got to do. And so I think it's a fascinating approach. We've done something similar in, in physical education in the past where. We go on leadership camps, and each student has a turn leading for the day. And we do this. We did this camp um, to Marble Sounds, Abel Tasman Park, actually. And so it was great for us as teachers because instead of having to speak to two classes of sixty students, you speak to eight kids mm-hmm. who then go off and pass the information. And it's 
you're right, it, it is an opportunity for people to taste leadership and, and often that's all somebody needs to yeah. really change their path in that's life right. is to just get a taste of what that's like because it's quite, um, I remember thinking back to the first time that I experienced it and it was quite um, exhilarating that you, you, you gain this extra responsibility not over someone, but for someone, I guess, and right. you're you're responsible for supporting them and developing them. And I, I always tell a lot of my students that they think going back to that made that point about leadership being the most popular, and it, it's actually not. It's about making other people better. Right. If you can make other people better, then you're you're doing a, a good job with your leadership. Because we what we try and do is, is is servant leadership, and that's that's what I do. That's my that's who I am I'm a servant leader and, and servant leadership really, I think is is really good you just want to serve so you're not you're not over and above that guy what you're trying to do is you're just trying to serve in the best interests of first and foremost the team and to help him and that's really important and so essentially what we're doing is it's a it's almost a buddy system but just put another way so you might have a year 13 which is last year at school alongside a year 12 or a year 11 like we did this year and he becomes his buddy and that i think that's you know that's for us that worked really Entering, well yeah. yeah 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 we've got some strong values at rongtai college which link back to the school's involvement and in positive behavior for learning how do you incorporate these values when building your team culture um well they actually become our rocks so people talk about pillars and, but we so we have rocks and um, uh, they become our our rocks if you like um, around our team values and, and team ethos. So you know the ones that underpin Rongatia, respect, um, excellence, brotherhood, and pride. And so I, I think that's really important. Is all those things are you know that's what underpins what we do and it embodies who we are at Rongatia. And the the one thing that we we didn't want to do was change anything so we wanted to take what are the best attributes of a rongatai boy and build that into the team and make that our strength if you like and i mean you know as well as i do that that the brotherhood at rongatai is a true brotherhood and i mean being an old boy i can you know vouch for that um and it's just a it's just a really strong uh, brotherhood but we've added a couple of other things to it and particularly with um, our social responsibility rock which is dealing with um, we've uh, um, adopted a charity called Canteen which is um, teenagers living with cancer uh, which you know has affected some of the boys at Rongatai if not all um, having had you know boys at, at school with uh, with cancer and so when we put it to the, to the leadership group two years ago they were adamant that that's what they wanted to do uh, that's then that's the charity they wanted to support so that's what we do. We raise some money for them. We wear it very proudly on our sleeves. And also that we just want the boys to realise how lucky they are to be able to go out every Saturday and play rugby because a lot of kids don't get that opportunity. Yeah, I, and I've seen the values, those those rocks that underpin um, your team and, and that culture you create. And... And it is visible, and the kids do acknowledge that, and they are aware of that, and particularly the involvement with canteen. I think that's really special, and I haven't, I, I don't know my experience in 
other schools around New Zealand and their coaching, I, I haven't heard of anything like that done before, but it is it is really cool to see that um, they are contributing to society like that and they are, um, you know, they've got that as a, as a bit of a, I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? There's just something else. It's not just rugby. That's right. They're, they're contributing to society in it's other ways. It's another connection. Yeah. Um, because what we're, what we're really big on is is identifying our influences. So influences are a really important part of not just sport, but in life in general. So who are the who are the major influences around our team? You know, teachers are massive. Like, you know, and, and most teachers wouldn't even realize how big an influence they are. But when you look at it, it makes sense, right? So a kid is at school, what, half past eight to half past three every day, five days a week. Who are the biggest? Who are the biggest influences in their life during that period? Mm. Their teachers, right? Adults within the school, they're massive. Outside of that, you have your families. Outside of that, you might have um, your your girlfriends, boyfriends. What? What? You know, that, that's and that's really important that you and and what we do is we encourage that we encourage all of those people to be involved and we actually let them know that. Um, we let them know how important they are to our team and making our team go, making our team operate. Because the last thing you want is a kid full of anxiety taking the field. You mm. know, mum, dad, caregiver, this is the role that you're playing. You know, we want, you know, Johnny to come along here. We want him to be able to perform to the best of his ability. Um, you know, we don't want him full of, you know, anxiety or, you know, things like that because that's a big thing, also a big thing in sport, you know, is... is is the anxiety part of it? How many kids come and play a game or go to training full of anxiety? And it's not just sport either. It's it's a, it's an issue we're seeing all over New Zealand um, in schools. Anxiety around assessment, mm-hmm. around other issues within the playgrounds and stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a good. Um, it needs to be addressed really. Yeah. And And if we can do something to help that, then that's awesome. Well, I think the and the, and one of the most important things is, as I say, you know, we've got to let the kids just explore explore their their world being yeah. a kid first because all those all that other stuff is basically our world and we've got to try and keep that you know not not from them but you know we just got to make sure that, that they're having fun with us but our <laughs> our big thing is um we want to we want the kids to go out we want to play with a smile we want to play positive and uh we just want to have fun what are your thoughts on the current secondary school sporting climate you know, we're seeing more and more schools approach their elite sport very similar to the way a professional team would operate. Is this good for our young people or do we need to pull it back a little bit? I don't think you'll be able to stop pulling it back. I think, you know, there'll be those schools that, that, that haves, the old haves, uh, and the have-nots. Um, and I just love where our school sits, mate. I, I think it's really important that we're not chasing that, um, you know, we're not... We're not chasing that title. I mean, I, and, I, and I, I know that sounds really, you know, like, well, what are you coaching for? Because <laughs> <laughs> everyone wants to win, right? But I sort of think, you know, sure, start of, everything you do is set up to win a title. So it's like shooting for a star, right? But if you end up on the moon, well, that's great. You've, you've made some progress. Um, and the next year you might want to end up on Mars. But if you, if you understand that, if what I'm trying to say, is that I think it's really important to understand that only one team can be have twenty three champions. You know, it's a it's a it's a team of champions, the champion team. Whereas 
our philosophy is we want to actually build 23 champions. Um, and so not only in sport, but in life. And that's the key for us is so when they walk out that gate, that they are a champion person. They're going to be a good brother, a good father, a good uncle, you know, um, you know that sort of thing. A good husband. Um, and so, and I think these schools that, that chase that, they just forget that. Um, and it's not part of what they do. So as being kids, this is all this is all I do. This is all I want. This is all I've ever wanted, you know. But we, we sort of say, well, you know, it, sh- it shouldn't be the only best chapter in the book. Or for us, it's, you know, it's done that one bad chapter to ruin your book because your book's big, you know. And there are going to be a lot more, a lot more chapters in your book. It's going to be pretty good. Um, you're going to make it good. But I think with this whole, and there is a lot of pressure, and it's not only on the kids, but it's on the parents as well. And, you know, what does that do to, what does that do to parents? What does it do to the kid? What does it do to the school? Um, yeah, I just think it's, oh, hey, look, every every school to his own. If that's what they want to do, well, that's great. But we're more than happy just doing what we do and, and um, putting kids in the right place, in the right frame of mind. And, you know, like, you know, mate, you know, like, in 2017, seven of our kids from 2016 were playing top level rugby here in Wellington. Mm. They're straight out of school. Four of them or five, five of them made the under 19 side, you know, which is, I think, says it all. I mean, you don't have to win a title to be any good. Here's a good question for you. Have you, in your time, and I'm sure you, I'm sure this has happened, but have you sacrificed a win to better an individual? You know, so I guess a, a scenario is maybe sitting a player because they have done something and there's a consequence, and because of that, you've had to go out with a, a, a an under. A, a team that isn't at its peak, at its best, and that's cost you the one. Have you got any examples like that? Yep, and you know I have. <laughs> Don't you? Well, <laughs> you think? Off the top of my head, I can't remember any. <laughs> um, at at Rongatai, one of the things that we brought in was a ninety percent attendance rate at school. Um, and if you're not uh, doing a ninety percent attendance, then you don't play. Now we're quite we're not hard and fast on that. Yep. Um, we're guided by by the school um, and the people that make those decisions, and I think I've got a really good working relationship with the senior management team at school, um, and so we try and get it around about ninety percent. But if a guy isn't pulling his weight, then we're quite happy to sit him out. And this year, I'll give you two examples. Last year, we set out a boy, um, and we won that game, but he missed out on representative selection because of the fact that he was sitting on the sideline. Mm-hmm. He missed out on making the Hurricanes under 18 camp because he was sitting on the sideline. Because he um, decided that he wasn't going to listen to us saying, well, you know, you need to go to school. He made that choice. Um, but as a, and hopefully he learned from that because he went, he was one of the boys that went on and made the money under 19 mm-hmm. side and playing Premier Rugby. And this year, another case was that um, yes, the boy was stood down and we went out and lost a game that we should have won by a lot. Um, but what happens, Carl, is this, is that when someone does that, and it might, you know, it's, it's not it's not rugby related, 
it's school related but they go hand in hand because our philosophy is if a if a student athlete can't go to school has a discipline to go to school and study and learn then he's not going to have the, the discipline and the capability of understanding the game of rugby and its complexities nowadays and that's just discipline and if you get stood down as a student that breaks all the trust amongst the team and trust is the thing that binds all the team together and I think that that this year had now had a a long-lasting effect on our team was the trust that it broke. That it broke, not not only with the coaches, with the school, but with his own peer group, and that was quite visible. Mm. Mm. So yes, to answer your question, yes. And I I assume that there is support and learning with that student through that process so yep. that it's not just your cut and then I'll no, talk no, to no, you no. next week no, no you need to it's um, um, you know you, it's, you've got to you've got to teach him why yep. um, and make sure he understands that and we talk to us, we talk to the parents about it you know we, we mention it to the parents uh, this is why he's been stood down you know and <laughs> and uh, so yeah it's it's. I think it's just really vital not not from it's, it's, it's vital in a whole lot of areas first of all first and foremost for his own, for his own, for himself, uh, and for the team to see that, well, this is what it's about, you know. Because once you start compromising, well, you might as well just forget coaching, because compromising is just not, you know. Oh, well, he's going to be our best player, so but he's not going to school for you know, a couple of days. But hey, look, I'm quite it's happy to overlook that. It's hard. It's and, hard. And that's the thing is that you know, like we all have values as a coach as a parent, as a person. But the, um, the thing is, is that values can become really inconvenient at times. And while everything's going really good, we don't need to test those values. We don't need to test the inconvenience of it. But when things need to be tested, they become inconvenient. And you're going, well, I'm prepared to overlook this one, uh, but don't let it happen again. How many times do we hear that? How many times do we, we, we've probably done it in the past, right? But as you, as you go on, you just go, you know what? It's not actually good for the team mm. because, as a coach, oh, you know he, the coach, you know he played him, and you know I should have been playing because this was his role and or this was the team's role. And he, yeah. the kids see it. He got yeah, the kids see it. Yeah, and like I say, mate, the kids are honest and they're raw and they're like dogs of bones, mate, and they just get that bone in their mouth and they just keep shaking it. Mm. You know, mm. it's hard. Earlier this year, Drug Free Sport NZ said that they're keeping a close eye on secondary sport and are concerned with potential doping. Now, with an eye on drug testing these students, do you think this is an overreaction or do you think there's cause for concern here? Um, I think it's good because uh, we're talking about, we're now talking about student athletes that can go from school into a professional rugby environment overnight, right? And so I think it's all part of the learning process for them that, oh yes, this is what drug testing is all about, um, you know, and they go through, they go through the process, and, and I, I probably think it's more of an education thing, like we are going to be drug testing you, okay, well, you know, because, like I say, if you're a, if you're a student athlete and you're on the verge of a professional contract, well, you need to know how important this is. I think, it's, I think it is important, and I think it is probably the right way to go. 
Do you do you think there are athletes in New Zealand though, student athletes that are doping? Definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Of course there are. And that becomes from the pressure to win. Yeah. I mean, I don't know of any specifically, but I'd be very surprised if there wasn't. Yeah, it's really interesting, eh? Um, that that desire to win and the pressure and everything that comes with winning. Um, it, it is a little bit sad, though, to, to think that there might be students that feel the need to mm-hmm. dope. I mean, we're seeing we're seeing um, massive jumps in uh, people in society doing it for aesthetic reasons, but to see it infiltrate college sport is a little bit sad. That if it is happening. Um, I'm kind of on the fence around this. I, I, I don't know whether the drug testing at, at this these students is a good thing or a bad thing. I, I don't know. I haven't done too much reading on it. But the fact that they feel that there might be a need there, um, yeah, I think it's a little bit disappointing. No, you're right. The, the, the fact that they feel that they have to, I mean, isn't that what college sports are all about, what mm. we've just been talking about, mm. was just to make it fun and, you know, enjoy it and... And that sort of thing, and if, if they think that yeah they need to have a little look at it, well that that is disappointing from that point of view for sure. Yeah, you're stepping back a little bit from the coaching side of things next year. Can you share the most memorable moment from your and, and we'll say from your um, high school coaching career? Mm. What, what's your most uh, memorable moment story? Gee was memorable. Um, well, first of all, just to clarify, just being involved is memorable. Um, I think probably look in 2003 we took a team uh, so in 2002 when I took over Rongatai we probably trained with a core group of 12 or 13 boys every day because of our um, our culture that we wanted to create uh, a lot of boys walked away um, and in 2003 we turned around and won the championship with a, com- a complete team. No stars, just a complete team. Um, and if I fast forward to, to Rongatai um, in 2013 when I took over, uh, once again, we implemented the same culture. And I would say in the vicinity of one and a half teams of players that could play first in rugby walked away from the school because they didn't want to be part of it. So for me the most memorable things are actually building a team like you know yeah it's not about sure look winning a championship is memorable it's great it's fantastic makes you feel good all that sort of stuff but there's a hell of a lot of work that goes in over 32 years hey for for 29 of those years never won a title however i've seen kids go on and make something of their lives and that's to me pretty important but it's, it's about the opportunity that rugby provides or just sport provides. Um, and if it's done well, uh, that for me is good. I think if, you, if you're going to pin down an actual uh, event, I've got fucking no idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> so so what, what, what's your involvement in the rugby community look like post-coaching? I'm, I'm assuming you're not going to be able to stay away. Any thoughts on that? Where can I stay away when you're filling me full of beer, mate? <laughs> 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 I 
No, I can't stay away. It's my old school, good people like yourself, um, you know, and just great kids. And But I'll, I'll certainly be in a role that oversees uh, rugby at the school. Um, and it's in good hands. It's in good, it's in good shape. We've got a really good program, I think. Um, and I think probably just um, going back to that original question, um, probably one of the most memorable things is this year we introduced what we called the culture club at 6.30 in the morning and everyone said to me we couldn't do it because kids had to come from Porirua, Lower Hutt, you know, which is you know 30 kilometres away and they needed to be at school by 6.30 in the morning to ready to work two days a week, right? And a lot of people said to me, no, you'll never do it, you'll never get them here because they're going to catch buses and trains, etc., etc." I said, well, simply, if they want to be in the first, then they're going to need to. And what that did was actually really showed me those people that were keen. And what it did was it meant that 15, 16, 17-year-old kids were having to form, formulate a strategy to get to Rongatai College, which is way on the other side of Wellington. Um, and they did that. And so they were prepared to actually do all that just to get there to do an hour, just over an hour's work, hard work in the morning. Mm. And for me, that was a big eye-opener. And what was a, even a bigger eye-opener eye opener, is a lot of those players who decided that they couldn't do that because they didn't want to do that. And that really formulated a whole lot of things that I thought might be true and they came to fruition um, and I was hoping they weren't but they but they did and I think that reflected in the way we played mm. some of some of those boys you know not to do not prepared to do the hard graft and at the end of the day that's what life's about mate if you've got to do the hard graft I mean as you know you know kids get up they go to school they're governed by the bell governed by the tuck shop you know that's it that's their life yeah. But if they have to work outside that and form, formulate strategies, oh, can you pick me up today? Yeah, I can do that. My mum's going to do the run. My dad's going to take us in, you know, that sort of thing. It meant that they had to talk to one another, formulate adult strategies, and co-opt adults into the whole equation. And then, and when we were getting, in the end, we were getting like 35, 36 kids there. It was great to see, you know, with all the selfies on Facebook of everybody, you know, you had some fantastic support from Luke Davidson yeah. who was leading those sessions. Um, yeah, it was really, really cool to see. And not only that, mate, but to make use of a fantastic facility. Yep. You know, and that's what it's about, right? The facility's yep. about the kids. Yep. Um, and, and hopefully next year that, that, you know, I can help drive that, uh, help set it up. But that is, Carl, that is the thing that is probably going to underpin Rongatai success in the future is that these kids will now know that they have to do that to be part of what we want to do. Mm. And so sometimes you just got to bite the bullet. First year is always the hardest. And when I actually look back on the year, that was a really hard thing for us to do. That was a, And that's what that leadership thing is that we're talking about. Sometimes you've got to make the hard calls. Sometimes you've got to make the hard decisions. That this is what we want to do. A lot of people said we, couldn't, we would never do it. It would never happen, but it happened. And so next year becomes a little bit easier because... Kids that are sort of, you know, seeing that, seeing that the uh, the senior students doing it, going, well, I know that I have to do that if I want to make the first thing, and so that becomes real. Then, like, you know, they they are the people that really, really want to be there, and I think. And, and it's not even particularly about the 
the end result of no. the making a team or the physiological no. response from doing the training twice a week but it's the like you said it's the strategies that need to be formulated it's the actual the discipline of doing something that's yep. hard and getting up and waking yep. up early and um it's all powerful stuff and it's all we want add. them to do hard mate. Yeah. we want them to know what hard looks like we want them to know what it feels like and what they need to do to overcome hard and that's simple i mean that's 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 pretty simple what we're talking about but that's exactly what we want them to know and that's what they need to draw from in the 79th minute when they're pinned on their line with a small lead you know and as i say schools you know dictated by the bell you know we go here we go here we go here i need those books i need that but this is outside of that this is outside the classroom this is actually formulating strategies Mm. and Mm. talking to people Mm. making it work yeah hey dave i I just want to thank you for um opening your home and if you if you haven't been to Dave Mickelham's home you need to check it out it's it's amazing we're sitting in these big it's like I'm, I'm it's like I'm down at the pub it's big I'm in a booth we're in a booth in his kitchen um, you need to check out his house it's fantastic you just need to get your head you need to get more you get, need to get more beer mate we're running out that's what, that's what your problem is <laughs> You know, you've you've given thirty two years to coaching, and I think uh, yeah. Look, I've I've opened I've opened one up. There hasn't spilled. <laughs> coaching is 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 a tough gig. You know, it's it's early starts, it's late nights, it's often a lot of work for very little reward. Sometimes you know that you get very little acknowledgement from parents. You're seen as a babysitter, um, but you've you've stuck through it for thirty two years and. You know, I've seen the kids that come through at Ongatai and I've seen the value that they've placed on the work that you're doing with the rugby teams and how that's improved some of our some of our students and and you're, you're setting these students, you're laying their foundation for the rest of their life and, and we've seen those kids go through and do things with their lives. So, um, you know, well done. I hope it's not the end of your involvement, but I don't think it will be, but um, it's awesome to hear a little bit about your story and what drives you. So thank you for that. Well, mate, if it means working closer with you and you're going to give me six beers every night, well, I'm, I'm happy to do that, you know what I mean? And and it's really important for you to understand that Carl's actually, it's Halloween here and he's bought me some Boneyard beer. I didn't even realise. <laughs> that was a good choice. <laughs> yeah, unwittingly, mate. Very good. So thanks for that, mate. I really do appreciate it. It's a pleasure, mate. And uh, any time, and uh, I'll be alongside you next year. Awesome.